Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down... Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to once again the Bass Guy. Oh, brother. This is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy you here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host, Brad Hurlbus. And tonight, we have on Amanda Venturino. Welcome Hi, to show, Amanda. I hope I didn't put you your last name. I think I did it. I, I, I practiced. We practiced before you the show. You got it. You got, got it. it. <laughs> Look at that. I did something right today. No, I'm just kidding. Not a good day. But It's good to see you again, too. It's been uh, about a month. It's been about a month. Yeah, that's crazy. So Amanda and I met at the Rough Grouse Society's Grouse Camp when I was there as a volunteer guide. She was she was one of the hunters up there. She wasn't part of the team I was in, but she went out with some other experienced guides, and it was an amazing event. I had a lot of fun. It was um, one of my first kind of really intense integrated hunting experiences, so um, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it was a good segue for me into bird hunting and um, I'm enjoying this process very much. Because as I know this, but you're a new hunter. I am. I am a very new hunter. Um, so I did not grow up in a household with guns. I did not grow up in a household with hunting. 
Um, we got all of our meat from the grocery store at one point in time. Uh, I have a big family. And so I remember ordering half a cow and filling the freezer with that. But um, I didn't eat venison or turkey, wild turkey or goose. I didn't have any of those meats until I was in almost my 30s. Okay. So uh, late, late 20s, I guess. Um, and the per like the purveyor of all of that is uh, my husband, John. Um, when we started dating, he is a really big outdoorsman. Um, he's originally from Wyoming, which is where we met when I was in grad school there. And um, he grew up like hunting elk and antelope and um, whatever you can do out in uh, Wyoming. And he was an avid fisherman and he had a boat and he used to ice fish and uh, fly fish. And he got me into all of those things. Nice. Nice. Um, yes. Yes. I've been doing a lot of stuff with him over the years. Um, uh, so I have gear for going ice fishing and we've done that a few times. I've, I've definitely caught some fish, you know, sometimes uh, the lakes around here, um, as you know, we don't, it's not recommended to keep them anymore. So um, that is accurate. We have a very high mercury content level in a lot of our lakes and South and I, I'll, I mean, most people on the podcast know where I'm from. I'm from the Madison area. We have the Madison chain of lakes. There's four main lakes in that chain. Um, as you guys know, through like my kayak tournament fishing, I fish that local chain here. And I would never consider eating a fish south of Mendota. There's no, like, there's nothing in my mind would let me keep a fish south of Mendota and eat it. I know plenty of people do, but I'm not one of them. We did when we moved here originally a few years ago. So I did, I have eaten some fish from the lake before, um, but we haven't in like three, three, four years, I guess. Sure. It's all been catch and release, if anything. Um, yeah, and the PFOS content, I think, is pretty high, too, is what they're also struggling with. That is correct. Uh, but anyway, so ice fishing. He also got me into fly fishing. I uh, I was living in, we were living in uh, Calgary and Alberta, Canada for a few years when I was getting my second master's degree. And uh, I joined a women's fly fishing group there. So I learned a lot about, uh, we had like, I think we met once, uh, once a month. It was a lot of fun. Like all of these other ladies are really getting into it. There was probably like 50 or 60 members of the group, which was wow. really nice. That's a big group. Yeah. That's bigger than I thought it would be. They was it was really big and there was always rotating people. There was a big commitment from people. We had t-shirts, we had, you know, like a mask, like a like a little a logo design. We had um raffles and we would do like twice annual uh camping trips. Um one time we did this like belly boating float trip, which was really fun. So um women and their husbands who had boats and stuff, we would go out and they would take us out on this lake and they would help us like fly fish, kind of like the rough grouse meeting, okay. but it was like a day trip. So there were things sure. like that that we did. Um, people That's are cool. always talking about floating the bow. Um, uh, so what's her name? Paula Shearer. She is actually one of the members of that group. She's a big name in the fly fishing world of Canada. Okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> what do you think of the driftless area then compared to up there for fly fishing? Have you gotten out in the driftless area? I, ha I have only been out maybe once or twice. I right. haven't been able to do much, unfortunately. Um, I, because I was really busy in school too. I, I fished a little bit. I, I really like the little water. I really like where I can see the fish because it makes me feel like I'm actually doing 
something. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. What I'm doing is worth it because it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, there's a fish there. So at least I know what I'm going for. Uh, but the bow is really big water. So even though it has big fish, I, uh, I felt just confidence to drop because you can't see anything and i wasn't very lucky <laughs> so, right um, so you so you you're much you're, you'd rather sight fish than rather fish a technique i i would rather be able to see them yes got it got <laughs> um, it my my favorite is brook trout you know i really like those brook trout that are like i would like to see bigger brook trout but they were like this big and they were super colorful and re really vibrant brook trout were my favorite brookies um, are beautiful fish beautiful they're so fish. pretty so pretty. Um, in fact, one of them was like the background of my phone screen for a long time because it was one that I caught and it was the biggest one in the littlest spot of water. And I was so proud of myself that I caught this thing and I uh, wasn't expecting it. Um, so we fished a little bit. I, I think that, you know, just life moving kind of things got in the way. So I think we're really starting to get some good momentum and get back into it now. Um, so we have a couple of fishing kayaks They're um, they're, uh, what are they? I can't remember the name, but we're Bowtech. Nope. That's not the brand. Bonafide. <laughs> uh, bonafide. bonafide. Thank you. That's what they are. We have a couple of bonafide fishing kayaks. Um, my husband, John, he made a really nice trailer for him so we can pull him behind the Subaru and, uh, we can try getting out there more. We, we were in Door County a few weekends ago and we took them because I really wanted to kayak around the Cape point, but there was like a small craft advisory sure. for that day that we were going to go. And the next day was beautiful, but, um, it was time for us to head back home. So we didn't get a chance to do it. And I said, we're coming back for cherry season and we're going to bring the kayaks next time. So and that's big water. Back. And that's big water up yeah. there. Cause you're, you're either on the bay side. <laughs> it's big. I mean, that's big water. That's nothing to mess around with. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was our first time doing it. So we'll, we'll go in a different time. Absolutely. It's gorgeous up there though. I've been up there numerous times and it is a beautiful area. The smallmouth fishing up there can be incredible. Really? Oh yes. Uh, it, it, mind. It, it's no secret that, that everyone, if, if you're into smallmouth fishing, you know about Door County, multiple major tournaments go up there, MLFs up oh, there. Wow. I mean, there's no hiding what type of fishery the sturgeon bay is it's sturgeon bay technically but if you go up there and you want to chase gorgeous smallmouths bring some bass tackle with you cool sounds good i remember um i'm i'm originally from the east coast of of maryland so um i remember going deep sea fishing and i have been really aching to go deep sea fishing again and i would like to charter you know a boat out there and to lake michigan and go deep sea fishing because i just remember that was so much fun and when you catch one, it's like really exciting. <laughs> it's a good time out on Lake Michigan for the, the, the trout. It's, it's fun. Like there's some, it's just some big lake trout out there and some big browns and, and steelhead. And then you get the coho and you get the kings. So you got the big salmon run in the fall. It's a good time. I've been out there. Nice. I've done it kayaking. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. You can do, especially come you, fall. You can do it in the kayak pretty easily. What, what kind of kayak do you have? I currently have a new canoe unlimited. Oh, that's a nice one too. That's yeah. like, cause I think the the manufacturer, the designer of new canoe and bonafide are kind of the same person, or at least they new. were, I think he. Uh, new canoe separate, uh, bonafide and native. Became, oh, became oh one. okay. But new canoe is completely separate. Um, it is, it's in my opinion, it's one of, it is the best sportsman's kayak on the market. If you want something you can hunt and fish out of. That's oh. why I have it. 
because I want because I, my kayak can go I in 30 minutes I can take my kayak from full-on bass tournament mode and when I say like I do bass tournaments I take them pretty seriously like bow mount trolling motor two nine inch fish finders active target wow. I mean nine seven rod like I, when I go into a tournament I go into it seriously and my kayak looks like every other tournament angler kayaks out there like ridiculous but then I can in about 30 minutes, I can take all of that off. I can put my mud motor on it and my duck hunting blind. And I have a powered little tiny duck boat that can take me pretty much anywhere I'd want to go in the small waters. Oh, that's really nice. And your dog can go on that too with you, right? Absolutely. That's really nice. Absolutely. That's really so, nice to have room for her. <laughs> so it's it's great. It, it works great. So still new to the hunting field. Um, when I was in Wyoming, I went out with my husband a couple times for elk. I did not have a tag. It was more just me walking behind him wherever he went. I did. Um, in the elevation change is is. Um, I think that I struggled still a little bit with that because you're, you know, I think it was a uh, seventy five hundred feet, something like that. So it's still really high, um, and that was hard for me at some points to keep up with him. So I was definitely breathing hard at certain points. Um, that was okay. I feel like I have a little bit of a black cloud when it comes to hunting, fishing, I'm getting a little better, but I feel like when I go, the animals are not there. And when I'm not there, Sean gets lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so the both times I went elk hunting with him, uh, we didn't see anything or hear anything. Uh, one time we did see a moose up on our trail far enough away but we kind of were like okay it's time to turn around because we're not sure. going near him um so i did that a few times i went deer hunting with him last year um one time like during during rifle season and you know experienced that again didn't see anything um and he does all, like almost all the seasons he does bow and rifle and i you know he's been telling me he's going to get a muzzleloader soon so he can increase the season length for how many things he can get his his that's another seven that, days that's another yeah, seven days yep. <laughs> he uh he says he wants to be a threat to all species um of of air land and water <laughs> so that's awesome cool. that's hilarious <laughs> it's really funny um and then so we went so i've been begging him for i think it was a couple of years now i said i want to go goose hunting with you um and he's got a friend that he does a lot of this stuff with and i was like i want to go and he's like okay next time we have a have a good option i'll i'll take you and we'll go and i didn't get to go last year i don't think you know it worked out with him and the guys so um sure. i didn't get to go and then this year, I finally did get to go with him again. No geese. Like we saw them, they were on the lake next to us, and then they left and they didn't come to our spot. So there was that. <laughs> um, and then we did the rough grouse camp. And then this past weekend, I went pheasant hunting too with Pheasants Forever. So that was another great learn to hunt opportunity. Um, and I'm hoping to go again with him sometime and look for pheasants out here close to our house. Um, where we live and um, get more into that. We also have a deposit down on a hunting dog. So pretty Yay. excited. Yeah, awesome. we're gonna. That's, that's so exciting. I'm very excited about that. So I'm hoping end of next summer, we should get him. Okay. Um, which did you, you and I are, yes, we're getting the same one you have. <laughs> you did go with the griff, very nice. Getting, yep, a wire hair pointing griff on is what we're gonna end up with from a really great 
kennel uh north of green bay um, okay really excited we we went up and we visited the kennel when we were um there in door county too so we got to meet very the puppies nice. he had a brand new puppy that he was holding back so cute they're <laughs> so adorable when they're little oh yeah they don't even look wiry yet they're like, no she was so soft <laughs> <laughs> it's like i wish that she would stay like this forever yeah they're no i will say pretty much all puppies are adorable but i do have a special place in my heart for a griff so i mean they're just they're, they're more adorable she she was really sweet and she would do this thing where she would run off um into the tall grass and you could see her little white tail like flailing about and then i would call her back and i'd get down and i crouched down and she would run full speed at me and just like boom bounce her paws right against my chest like and i'd have to like kind of guard myself so i don't fall over and i'm like okay you know and muddy paws and everything and i was like oh, she's just so cute that's awesome that's exciting that's, that's really yeah, so exciting I we can't wait to get our own. We're already talking names and getting ready and yeah, getting supplies. I know John's got his bumpers already bought and things like that. So I would recommend um, getting in touch with the local NAB chapter here already. I can, yep. I, I do have contacts that I can put you in touch with. I've worked with them a couple of times. Um, just get to know some of them and start to learn some of the training styles. Is that, then, that's the one just north of Lodi, right? Yep. Yeah, we went to one of their natural ability tests. So we got to okay. meet a bunch of the folks there. And um, that's when John kind of was like, nope, I'm ready for the griff. He narrowed it down to a couple breeds. And after watching him work, he's like, I really think this is it. Fair enough. They're a great breed. They really are. But yeah, I would I would work with NAVDA. And the one yep. thing, like I've talked to lots of professional trainers and there's lots of different ways to train dogs. There really is. Pick a style that works for you and your pup and stick to it. So there's a lot of great advice at these clubs, but there's a lot of people training in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think you get better results if you stick to one training method. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, this guy, um, the one who we're getting our, our puppy from, um, his puppies are all going to be like, he just had a litter. So come this spring, they're going to be like ready to start doing the training for their natural ability test. So he is going to have a weekend with a bunch of folks with their puppies come out and he's invited John. Cause this is mainly John's dog. I talk about sure. it as our dog, but it's really, it's really John's well, you dog. Should take... I have a dog. So this is John, but, but you um, should take an active role in the training though. Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely will. Like he's going to be point man. I'll be like the second runner up, sure. <laughs> uh, but he invited John to come up and like throw, you know, throw birds and set things and just, learn the process and to uh, see some of his training styles too. So awesome. I'm really excited for him to get to have that experience. Cause this will be like his line of dogs that he's going to be getting a puppy from. So it'll be very similar. Perfect. That's, that's great. The yeah. more help you can get from either your breeder, NAVDA session training with known trainers mm -hmm. that are really good. That'll work with you and your pup at the same time. It all just, the more you put in, the more you get out and don't rush it. Like that's another thing. Like I like new trainers. I say like, don't rush it. Your dog, just like a kit, it's going to progress it. Like if someone's dog was doing this at three months and your dog doesn't do it to four, that's okay. Like don't rush mm -hmm. it. Don't set timetables. Don't set timelines. Just remember, like I actually just was with a, a funny story. We'll go into this one real quick. So it kind of rolls into this. Um, I went out, I went out and did some woodcock hunting Saturday, went and got my, and then I'm like, you know what? 
it's almost November. I probably should get my boat set up for duck hunting because it hasn't left until since early season. Um, so I got my blind on, got everything all ready to go. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go duck hunting in the morning. Like, why not? Like, it's going to be hot out. I don't want to run the dog again. Like, it's just going to be hot. And like, let's go duck hunting. So I got to the boat launch and the circuit breaker on my boat failed. So I had no lights. So right when I pulled up, there was another guy getting ready to dump his boat in the water, which is pretty common practice. Um, he gets his boat in the water. I'm filling around and I'm like, the circuit breaker's done. It's not a dead battery. I'm like, ah, I guess I'll pack it up. And he walks over by me. He goes, so where are you going? I'm like, at this point, nowhere, because I have no lights. And we start talking. He goes, well, I'm alone. I'm just going to go out with my my, my chessy. Um, I'm, I'm training my dog. I'm like, you want company? He goes, sure. So I jumped in his boat and we went out and he had a three-month-old chessy. Oh, this sounds really fun already. (laughs) It's this cute little adorable dog. And he's like, I'm just introducing it to the marsh. Um, He was going to introduce it to gunfire. And I'm like, let's hold off on that. Let's just introduce it to the calls. All of this stuff. Like we can try gunfire, but one of us will go a little farther away. It's not right to just shoot next to the dog. And I explained the whole thing about gun breaking, doing it slow, doing it carefully. It's very, once you create a gun shy dog, it's very hard to train a gun shy dog out of being gun shy. So I explained all of that and we're, and, and we're talking and it was just amazing. Like just the like, amazing watching this little pup. It was great. It was just awesome watching this. Were you puppy. throwing things in the water and yeah, he was just hanging out. No, just, nope. We weren't doing any water work. He was just hanging out in the boat, experiencing the marsh, the boat ride, the setting of the decoys, being somewhat calm and for a three month old dog, it's the calmest dog I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. Wow. It was crazy. Um, and then just experiencing the calling and everything. Like it was really just a like introduction to the marsh is what we really took it as. So it was great. Very nice. That was yeah. really cool. I see that's how that's but, how John got me into hunting was the dogs. <laughs> what, what I what I told him and where I was going with this story is like the pup's young. So the pup's really young and it's going to go off for professional training. And, but what I told them is, and like next year, like for your first part of your hunts and everything else, it's like, you can simulate hunting in like testing and all that, but it still is never the same. It's not the excitement you get when you call a dog. So like when you're calling ducks, your inflection change, your voices change, like your actions change, your mannerism, the entire environment changes, right? And it doesn't feel the same in a testing environment as it does when you're actually hunting. So what I told him is I'm like, give up your first few hunts and just work on training your dog. Bring someone with you that can duck hunt. And then that way there you can set behaviors moving forward. So Mm -hmm. if your dog wants to start breaking and you got a call in one hand, you're grabbing your shotgun and your dog wants to break, it's very hard to make a correction. So what I'm saying is, and what I've told other new hunters, and I follow this myself is, don't be afraid to give up that first season to focus it more mm-hmm. on training than hunting birds. Cause that first season is going to set up the next 12. Right. And I think that's what our, that's why John was very, he was like, I don't want to, he said he wanted a dog in the spring summer because he wanted that first fall to be able to train the dog. And he didn't want it to get the dog in the middle of the fall and be trying to like, train really young or then you're training when they're almost a year old he wanted the dog to be at the right age to be really immersed in that so we're i completely get that that. i have my specific time i like to have i like my dogs to be a summer breeding for a fall litter you take so you take them home in january january to february which not a lot of people like some people enjoy it like the potty training (laughs) part is miserable yeah 
the potty training in winter is miserable. Well, but, not for the dog. It's for you. It, yes, yeah, for me. Miserable for, for you. Miserable for me. Right. <laughs> um, but I really like that time frame where I'm getting them and they're about 12 weeks old in March. So yeah. they're, they're turning just about a year old during the middle of the season. And I'm not giving up that season, but I'm going to use that. I get to mm-hmm. do all the basic obedience and really get a lot of stuff hammered in throughout the summer. And then that first fall, I get to, they get to experience hunting and I do it with my, with my mindset of I'm not hunting. I'm here to train the dog. I'll bring someone else with me that can hunt that way there. I can correct, correct behaviors right away to build that solid foundation. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that he was really hoping for something like at the beginning of the summer too, but this particular letter, I think we'll end up taking the puppy home like July, August. So it's a little, it's like a tiny bit late, but it's better than missing a whole year and having to wait for another perfect timing. So we'd rather do this one. Nope. That makes perfect sense. And I completely know where you're coming from. And that'll be, it'll be great. I'm so excited. I can't wait to have another puppy in the house. Um, let's let's hope my dog really likes him just as much as I'm going to like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pu- but I know I know that hesitation, um, especially with me having my rescued dog that doesn't like other dogs. Like, I, I really wish I could have a puppy right now, but knowing it's just not fair to her or the puppy, to be honest just hoping that like the dynamics within the house works you know i've i've heard of people who are like oh our dogs have to stay in separate rooms during the day and they make it work but it's like you know i just want to have a cohesive household unit that functions together and work really hard on those early introductions to make sure that that works together um so i mean starting with a puppy really helps too because that helps to set the stage with you know having the older dog and then the puppy coming in so i hope it we will fine. just work very, yes, very conscientiously with her. And, and, she, and, you know, my dog, Hallie, she has so many dog friends. She has other dog friends that she loves. Um, so she's, she's social with her favorite other dogs. So hopefully this dog will be one of her favorite dogs too. <laughs> Coming into the house, partying a part of the pack, you have a much stronger chance there. I, I think you'll be okay. It's, I think it's, so. It's, I understand the worry, but you'll be okay. You'll be, you'll be good. And then you get to turn the hunting dog. And yes, that just opens yeah. up even more doors. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I'm I'm really excited for that part to watch the dog work. Because um, that's that's really how John got me into hunting with the dogs. Like I tried a couple of other things, elk hunting, the deer hunting, and it's fine. Um, a few years ago, he bought me a bow. It's a really nice bow. Um, I was really excited. I thought, oh, I'm going to take to this. It's going to be great because it's quiet, you know, guns are really loud. And for somebody that's never been in a gun household before, for me, it's like a little, it's sometimes a little jarring or startling, like how to use them and feel comfortable around them. And then they're really loud. And so there's all these like separate rules, but um, with a bow, it's a lot less um, jarring. And I thought this will be it. I'm really going to take to this. And I'd shot a bow before. And um, when I was in Wyoming, I was doing like, uh, I went down to a local archery place and I was shooting a recurve just for fun, just because I thought it would be interesting to try doing this. And I enjoyed doing it. Um, and I got this bow and it was really nice, but I just, I don't know. There was something about it that just wasn't clicking for me. And as much as I love it, it's a women's bow. It's lightweight. I just, I didn't really take to it. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I was hoping. So at this point, after experiencing the upland bird hunting, being really interested in goose hunting and duck hunting, I think I'm ready to sell it and get a shotgun. There you go. There you go. So. That way I'm using it 
and getting something that fits me because one of the struggles, like starting in this process, there's a bunch of struggles that I've had to deal with and other women would also have to deal with some of these too. And um, some of them are, you know, like I'm in my thirties and I'm learning how to hunt. So there's that piece. Um, yeah, luckily I took my hunter safety almost a decade ago. So okay. I already had that. So I didn't have to do that again. And I, I, I was not the oldest person in that room, but I was an older person in that room with a lot of kids. <laughs> well, I took my hunter safety at an old, I was 23 when I got my hunter safety. So yeah. I, I get it hundred percent. I remember dads looking at me that didn't look much older than me that I felt like, and they're like, oh why God. are you, why are you here? Like, I don't have a choice. <laughs> Luckily, there's a lot of virtual options now where you can do a lot of the coursework in virtually, and then you can go in for the actual like hunt test portion. That's so, what I did. Um, I did my entire class online and I only had to go in for the field day. Yeah. Mine so, was all in person. It was three it. days in person. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I think it was two or three days in person, eight hour days. It was, it was a long thing. It was sure, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. I got it out of the way and it's done. Um, so I didn't have to do that prior to jumping back into it. Um, so it was the first thing. The second thing is, um, just being a newbie and not understanding the lingo, where to go, you know, like, luckily I have a really great mentor, my husband, who was like, right. he's been working with his best friend and, and we're not from Wisconsin either. So that's another thing that that's another hurdle that we deal with is the fact that we're not from around here. So we only have access to public land right now. Um, and that's a big piece to the puzzle is, you know, hence my black cloud is because we're always hunting public land. There's less availability of, of, prey there and um you, you know it sometimes it can be disappointing to say the least like if you're not seeing something um but luckily he has a friend who lives down in broadhead who is very familiar with the area and he's been helping john and john in turn helps me so that way when i go out with him he's already done all the scouting and i don't have to do any of that well, is <laughs> i actually thoroughly enjoy scouting I really do, especially for ducks, because it's just another excuse to get in the boat and go. I mean, and I, like I find marshes beautiful and yeah. like the water I explore. So scouting is just one more way for me to be outdoors. That's that's not a bad way of looking at it. And maybe I can start thinking about that for the future. I have not been scouting with him for um, wildfowl or fowl yet. Um, and he does set cameras up for deer season, too. So um, he's got those that he checks. Um but I just want to get out there and see them and get close enough that I can shoot one one day. <laughs> so I has as much as I've been. And let me tell you, uh, at the pheasant event this weekend, um, and then I'll go back to talking a little bit more, but I wanted to, this guy, um, also his name was Brad. This was, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you how lucky he was. He is, I, I think he was probably early thirties, late twenties. He did not grow up in a hunting household. He was, he had finally moved into Wisconsin and, and I learned this over lunch. And this was like, this was his very first hunting experience. And he had signed up for this. He is doing a learn to hunt for deer with the DNR um, next weekend. And he shot his very first pheasant on his very first hunt on Saturday. And it was the only pheasant that was shot the entire day. And wow. I, I, I know, I mean, that's like, 
that's amazing. That's like the, like luck. That's like beautiful. It's perfect. And, and they were like asking him, well, do you want the bird? You know? And he's like, no, I don't need it. <laughs> like, cause we're, we did part of it was cleaning it out. And they were like, sure. you don't want to take it home and mount it. He's like, no, I'm good. You know? And we were like, but you, you have to take something from this bird. So like there were some mentors there and, and, you know, I was also encouraging him. I was like, you know, people take like the tail feathers. So maybe you want to take the tail feathers. And he's like, oh, okay, sure. I'll do that. So he ended up taking the tail feathers. He took a wing, he took some feathers and then he took like the feet too. So he had some mementos and we were really encouraging to be like, you got to take something because this is your first experience. Was he going to take the meat at least? Oh yes. He also took, yes. So the meat he got too, but it was more like if you wanted the whole bird to mount. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. And then they also went through a butchering process. So they showed him and everybody else there how to butcher them. So he um, got to cut his own, his own, um, his own bird up. So he took, you know, the legs, the breast and um, all of those other pieces too. So that was really great. Um, Okay. So struggles being a newbie. Um, So just being new to Wisconsin is a big one. Starting hunting in your thirties. That's a big one. I would also say another detriment is being a woman and only because of the clothes issue, like because of equipment issues. So I'll get into the other piece to that, but clothing was a big one. Um, It's taken a few years, even since I've tried to get into this for clothing manufacturer companies to catch up to the fact that there are women who want to hunt and we want to be comfortable, just like men want to be comfortable in their gear. And, you know, First Light just came out with a woman's line. Um, you know, there's a few other companies that are starting to get to notice that women are involved. I I think we're really blessed here in Madison that we have DSG, um, which stands for doing something great. And that is a women's specific hunting line. And they are headquarters right here in Madison. So they have a shop right there. And I've basically been outfitted just with their gear. Sure. Um, it's reasonably priced. It's a good price point to start Quality. hunting. It's, it's quality. quality. I'm very familiar it's, with DSG. I've from one of my friends actually works there. Um, oh, great. I was very excited to see that they came out with an upland hunting clothing line. That was, re- I was really excited when I saw that come out because there isn't very many options out there for women upland hunters. Mm-hmm. There's more for camo because like Bass Pro and Cabela's and there's a bunch of mm-hmm. other different like manufacturer lines for women's and stuff. But when it came to upland hunting, there was pretty much, what is that? Prios? Um, I believe it's pronounced prowess. Prowess. You think so about the, like, yeah, that sounds yeah. like, like a, it's spelled P-R-O-I-S, but Correct. I think it's pronounced prowess, which makes sense when you, oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah, that does. good prowess. That was, like, that was pretty much all I knew about for Upland. Like when I'd have like, like do you know, I'm like this, like that's, that's, so I was really excited to see when GSG came out with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and what I really like about DSG too is that they like getting feedback from people. So when I was there, you know, I met the woman who is part of the design team who was designing the clothes. And I got to tell her, I was like, hey, this is something that I don't like about these pants are too long. You know, I bought the brush pants when I was there because I needed something to go away for the rough grouse trip. Yeah. And um, because as everyone has told me, as there was going to be like a lot of thorns and prickers and things like that. And you don't want to mess up your nice pants. And I was going to wear this other pants that I had, but I really liked them and I didn't want them to get ripped. So I was like, um, I think I'll get another pair that I don't mind ripping. So I went to DSG. I, I was like, I need some pants. And they were like, this, these are the brush pants that we have. 
Um, they have, they have like, uh, I think it's called reticulated. The knees like have a nice yep. joint in them to be able to flex. There's really nice pockets on the side. They've got a really nice felted waistband. So it's comfortable on the body. Um, DSG does a really nice job of being size inclusive and making clothes for curvy women or for women who have different body types, which is something that I really like. So they're meant to be, um, comfortable, but also look really good. Um, these pants I had to roll up three times, like, so three loops. <laughs> That's how short oh, you I went know. 80s tight roll. I like it. <laughs> I, I had to, I, well, what am I going to do? Like step right. all over them and rip right. them. And so I rolled up the edges and then let me tell you, I caught so much stuff in those rolls that I had to like go outside and, and roll them out in order to drop all the debris off my pants. <laughs> Um, I didn't get any rips in them. Like we went through a lot of really rough terrain because you were there too. So there was a lot of like prickers and well, not prickers, but there's like a lot of brush and um, lots of sticks and stuff that were showing and I didn't get any rips in them. They were really nice quality. They were very comfy. Um, I also have the Upland Bird vest from them too. So it's got a nice pocket in the back. Um, that one's okay. I think it. I think it's their first iteration, so I think that there's some improvements they could make. I talked to her about that a little bit as well, um, and I definitely want to give them a nice review um, because they. I said, hey, I did this thing. Do you want me to give you a nice review about this? And so I got the name of somebody in order to give them some nice feedback. And I was waiting until doing pheasant hunt so that way I could try the gear again and see what I thought about it, and um, then I'll give them some feedback on what I thought about the gear. Um, Perfect. But I have their, their deer, I don't know, I have it for deer hunting, but I have their like, it's like a dual layer coat with these big fluffy pants. It basically feels like I'm wearing a sleeping bag um, and they're soft. So that way they don't make a lot of rustling noises when you're moving around. And we women like to move and twitch. So <laughs> that's really nice when you're, um, uh, we, I fidget a lot. So at least this way, John doesn't yell at me for making too much noise. <laughs> <laughs> and then DSG is known for their drop seat. So that's another thing for women. I'm assuming their yeah. hunting pants have, because I know DSG from back in my snowmobiling days, because they have a very oh. good line of women's snowmobile clothing. Plus they have a line of women's ice fishing clothing as well. So, and I know yeah. both of those, they, they, they have their drop seat for women because guys have it a little bit easier in the field. Yes, they do. That's definitely for sure. So uh, just bring your go girl with you and then you're all good. <laughs> Um, but so the clothing was, a was for a few years, you know, that was, that was a struggle, like to think about what am I supposed to wear out there? How do I find what I'm going to wear? Nothing really fits right. I don't feel really comfortable. I'm not going to spend $120 on a pair of pants if I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, because if mm -hmm. I'm not going to like it, I don't want to spend that much money on something to just go out there and try it. Right. Um, so you know, I, I think those brush pants were like 60 bucks and I was like, okay, this is great. And if I don't end up really liking this, at least I have this pair of pants that I can wear um, hiking or doing something else. Cause they're like, they were comfy and they looked good enough that, you know, I could wear them out sure. side of being outdoors. Um, so then the other piece that I am working on, so, so figured out the clothing, got the mentor learning Wisconsin, got the clothes. Um, the last piece, right. Or the piece that I'm working on next, cause it's not going to be the last is, um, equipment. So a weapon gun. Sure. Um, my, so John's got, uh, 
20 gauge shotgun that he bought that was kind of supposed to be like a universal for him and I because he knew I was getting it that I was interested in the bird hunting so he sort of got it with me in mind and he he sort <laughs> we go to Cabela's he's like hey I'm gonna go in and buy a gun and I was like yeah right go in and buy a gun it's like okay I'm just gonna sit in the car that's oh. fine like I was like I'm just gonna sit in the car I don't need to deal with this I thought he was just buying a box of ammo 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. And I was like, what the heck is he doing? So I sent him a text. I'm like, what are you doing in there? And he says, I told you I'm buying a gun. And I was like, yeah, right. Well, another 20 minutes go by and here he comes out with this box of this Winchester. And I was like, holy shit, he really did go and buy a gun. So he did. <laughs> it's a nice, you know, just a, it's a it's a gun. It's a it's sure, a nice, sure. nice gun, shotgun that is right? yes, nice shotgun that is meant for a six foot tall man, which is the problem right. with most guns is that they are all designed for a six foot tall right handed man. And um he took me out clay shooting for the first time before we so early September we went before <laughs> going to Grouse Camp because it's like I need to know how to use this thing, I need to know what I'm doing. And I think we did I did 40 shots and I hit two and I think they were both accidents. So <laughs> it didn't go well. Needless to say, it didn't go well. That was my first time using a shotgun. First time shooting clays. First time with this gun. Um, sure. Sure. Well, pheasant camp. Um, so when we did this pheasant forever, learn to hunt on Saturday, the morning we got to do a clay shooting. And I was really excited about this because they were also like, we brought our guns, but I was excited to get to try this again. They had other guns for us to use there too that were provided by uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. Okay. Um, or the DNR. I think it might've been the DNR that had these guns for us to be able to use. They had a compact gun, which is what I've been looking at um, is, well, after being at, grouse camp i learned that what i need to do is have a gun that's fitted to me and it needs yes. to have a shortened stock so i need a custom gun basically which is going to cost a lot of money it's going to cost a lot more money than like john's guns um and they have these youth guns which make you feel you know like oh it's so tiny it's like a little <laughs> makes you feel like a small like like it's too small for you and I know, I, I know, because I I've, I've got a youth gun here as well. I, I mean, from my <laughs> nephews, so I completely get that a hundred percent. And when it comes for his to his nephew, and how old is your nephew? Well, he was twelve when he got it. Okay. <laughs> um, but shotgun fit is extremely important when it comes to grouse hunting, especially like grouse and woodcock, because that's instinctive shooting. You're not able yeah. like it's instinctive shooting. Like it's a lot of point and shoot because there's a lot of trees. It's quick. It's you're not able to like get a really good. A lot of times, like like you need to, like you need to have it fitted so you get a good mount so you can get a get a shot because it's very instinctive. It's just up and and unlike with pheasant hunting, a lot of times you get a little more time with pheasant and then like with duck and goose, you get even more time. Like you don't have to rush nearly as much where you can actually get up and you're actually more swinging on birds because you're able to swing. So having a shotgun that fits you is key. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm learning. Um, and so they had this compact gun and it wasn't a youth. It was like the next size up, I guess. So okay. youth ish. Um, and I was like, I want to try this one out. And it was a 20 gauge. So I go up there I miss the first clay and I'm like, Oh shoot. Then I nailed the next one. 
and it pretty much just kept nailing like I did really good I did nice. really good and so I did one round where I did about 20 shots and then I let somebody else take a turn and all these other people were taking a turn and then I went back later and I was like I want to do it again and so I went back up there and I was like I'm gonna shoot until I miss and then I'll stop um and I did eight in a row and I was really I was like I just did eight in a row with this little gun and I it was such a confidence boost it really sure I was only my second time shooting and I hit that many. I was just so proud of myself. And my husband was like, holy shit, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, I can't believe I did that. So that's I, awesome. It just that is really, awesome. And, and the compact was probably like this much too small, but sure. a regular gun is like this much too big. So having it just be a little bit too small, it was great. It was, so the if you don't, was fine. It was great. If it like I recommend people, I, I rec it's worth if you're going to stick with bird hunting, it's worth getting fitted for a shotgun so you know your dimensions, yeah. you know your length of pull, you know your drop at comb. It's worth knowing all of those inf that information. Now, if that compact was just a little too short for you and everything else mm -hmm. fit good, without going having to go custom, you could just have a butt pad installed to give you just yeah. that extra length of pull that you need, which is okay, a far. So one thing like while while you're on here one thing i want to ask you about is the length of a barrel because this gun was way short compared to okay. like a like a standard gun how does that influence your shot the length of the barrel on the gun so it depends i have barrel so my main grouse and woodcock gun is a 24 inch barrel that's super short super short. oh okay because it's instinctive shooting it's not a lot of swinging and I want something mm -hmm. that I can easily walk around and manipulate in the grouse woods. So I also have a, that's on my Satori. I have a Viper TriStar G20, which is a semi-auto. I bought the youth barrel for that gun. Huh. This was the gun I had before my Satori. Okay. I intentionally bought the youth barrel for that gun. So it would be shorter for grouse hunting, for woodcock hunting, because you're not able to swing. And if you are able to swing, when you start to swing, normally there's a tree you hit. So a shorter barrel for me. Yeah, made more sense. But now for pheasant and waterfowl hunting, I prefer a longer barrel because it swings better. And in those situations, you're able to have a more swinging, like you're able to get more of a swing. Hmm. So the longer barrel for me helps my swing. It really does. So um, I follow through better and follow through is really important with shooting birds. Like you don't stop. You have to swing through if you like, like that's a big thing. Yeah. Stock fit, well, Brad, in my I, opinion, is far more important than, than barrel length to me. Okay. No, I, I could see that. I think that the stock is like the, the length of pull is much clearly because of how well I did. Like that made a big difference. Um, I can't afford two guns right now, Brad. So which one do I choose? <laughs> well, it, I guess it depends. I guess it depends what's out there for options. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, we can, we can talk Looking about at this. compact guns. There was like three sure like there were very few compact guns and my one of the things i was thinking about is if i was able to get like a well-priced used gun and then customize the stock on that sure that's an option that's kind of what i was thinking about i i if want I, an over under i want to break action i think those are the two things that i'm like com that i really feel more comfortable with i like the idea of being able to carry the gun like when you're walking and moving mm -hmm. you can break that open and just have that so Number one, for safety, I really like that because it's clearly there. Number two, because I'm a smaller person and 
they get heavy on my arm, at least it's getting tucked in. So it's a little easier for me to carry it for longer distances. Um, I noticed that the gun started to get pretty heavy the longer I was walking around. 26 inch barrel. Yeah. That's what I would, if you want, if you want one gun that isn't going to be too, it's not too long in the grouse woods. It's not by any means. I know people that use 28 and 30 inch barrels in in the grouse woods. Like it's not too long. It's just what I prefer and preferences a lot in this game. But if I only could afford one gun, I would probably get a 26 inch barrel is what I would yeah. do. I'd go, I'd get, if I could, if you wanted an over, no, I don't know how picky it is when it comes to compacts or women. I know there's a handful of manufacturers out there specifically for women like Siren or Sirene or whatever that one is, but I know there's a bunch out yeah. there. That's I would a go $5, with a $5,000 gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would go so with a 26. Is not a Siren right now. Okay. I'd go with a 26 inch barrel. <laughs> And you like the 20 gauge and I would make sure it can shake a three inch shell. I'd make sure it's chambered for three inch. That way there you can use a heavier load for ducks and it's going to be just fine for ducks and geese and pheasant. You can use that heavier three inch load. It's going to be a good trap gun because you can just use nice light seven, eight ounce loads. And it's going to be still plenty compact enough to be able to grouse and woodcock hunt with. That's actually sounds like to be taking. <laughs> you are starting to break up a little bit. Better? No, it's really clicky. Is it still clicking? Nope. Now we're good. Okay. All right. Great. Sorry about that. That's fine. It happens all the time. I've had where we've had, I've had it so people have dropped off. We started recording three minutes later. It dropped off. Like it, it, it was fifteen minutes of back and forth. I'm like, how do we even start this now? <laughs> oh, no it's it's good it's good um that's what i would look for if you're looking for one gun i'd go with the 26 inch 20 gauge 20 gauge 26 inch barrels make sure it can do a three inch chamber and that's going to cover it's going to cover pretty much everything you'd want to do with it that that's i i'm you know there are a lot of ladies that have like lots of shoes for different things in an ideal world i wish i had like three pairs of shoes that went with every single outfit that would make me really happy because i like efficiency and i like things that are going to have multiple purposes so that's exactly what i would like i would like a gun that does multiple things (laughs) and that will do everything without a problem i mean for a lot i mean you can go with a 28 inch barrel too there's nothing wrong with that for years and years i hunted with just my duck gun I hunted grouse, I hunted woodcock, pheasant, everything with my extremely heavy eight pound Beretta Eureka 3091. I mean, I hunted everything with it. I was like, that thing's like 7.8 pounds. It is not a light gun by any means. Like my, my Satori is 5.4 pounds, which is, which is light. I mean, so, but way light, but I did everything with that gun and it did everything just fine. The only reason I've changed is because I found that Satori, which was amazing. It's from 1984. Um, it's it's an awesome little gun. It's got the 24-inch barrels. It's ultra lightweight. And it's like my ideal grouse and woodcock gun. And when I found it, I'm like, I'm going to buy this. This is amazing. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, so now I just have to find like a good gunsmith. So somebody that can make all those changes on the gun for me. That I cannot actually. I do have a recommendation for you that's not too far away for you. I have not been to him yet. I actually want to get to him because as much as I say like people should get fitted, I was fitted. Like I was at one point by a guy that really just was like, "Oh, I know how to fit people." Like he was never really trained on it, and I have a general idea, but I don't think it's accurate. So I actually want to get professionally fitted 
and then to actually take that Satori to, that, to a gunsmith I know and have him completely change, rework the shock, the stock for me. Oh, wow. That'll be really nice for you then. Like to right. have that kind of a retro gun refitted for you. That'll be really nice. Exactly. I mean, I'm not worried about if, if I would ever go, I, I never plan on selling it. So I'm not worried about making it mine. So the stock is a hundred percent for me. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how I would treat this gun too, is like, I'm not looking to sell it. I mean, if I did, it would be because I got a much better gun and I could give it to somebody who's also a small woman who is like, mm. at least you have something that you can use. Right. Um, but these learn to hunt events have been really, really great. I recommend anybody who's looking to get into these to look into those through the DNR, through any of the, uh, the conservation company or the cons conservation organizations like Woodcock Society, the Rough Grouse for Grouse, Rough Grouse Society. Um, then there's Pheasants Forever. Um, the DNR did a deer one too, which was really cool. And I think they're doing that next weekend. Um, in fact, where we went pheasant hunting, there were so many beds where the deer were sitting that the guy <laughs> who is going to be the uh, the BHA um, guy who was running this event said, we're going to set up here. Like it was this beautiful little field with the trees around the edges that you could set your deer stand in and nice. you could see the paths where all those deer were coming through. It was like a really nice little spot. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> I was like, John, we should come back over here. <laughs> <laughs> there may not be any pheasants, but I know there's a deer here somewhere. <laughs> right. You see the, you can see the trails and you found the beds. There's deer. <laughs> They're coming back. They were fresh. So that's awesome. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the, I think the part of the bird hunting that really appeals to me is not just the dog, but it's kind of the social aspect too. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think I like the meat eater community so much, um, you know, with Steve Ranella, because everything he does is like so social, you know, you're bringing in a bunch of people, you're doing this whole thing together. It's something that you can bond over. And I really love that about the Rough Grouse Society camp is just being able to experienced that with a lot of other people. I learned so much from just listening to other people's conversations um, of not eavesdropping, like being a part of that conversation. Right, right. Um, but even, even just about gun handling, about fit of a gun, um, using the gun correctly, all of those things. And, um, you know, it's important to not be embarrassed too. Like uh, I, there was one day where there was a guy who was a, who um, I think his name was Jack. And he was doing a gun fit lesson. And I asked him for help at the night's at the, at the previous night's dinner. And he said, come to me tomorrow with your gun and we'll do a fitting in front of everyone. And I'm kind of an outgoing gregarious person. So I'm just like, okay, sure, whatever. And I was in front of like, you know, 40 mostly grown men who have been doing this for years and who have been handling guns since they were just a wee lad. and there I am, this five foot three woman, one of three there, <laughs> four there, one of four women there who uh, is being shown how to correctly use the shotgun and learning that, first of all, it's way too big for me, where I'm putting my hands, how I'm posturing, what I'm supposed to be doing is all incorrect. And um, just that one lesson was really eye-opening and really helpful. And I took there's a few things that I can remember about it. I need to do, do like another lesson with somebody. I think that would be really helpful. Um, 
But afterwards, you know, John and I are walking through the parking lot to head out and we look over and there's this group of people that are all practicing what they learned from watching Jack teach me how oh, to cool. handle the gun. And that, that was really nice because a bunch of them were women and they're all handling their guns. They're all talking about their guns. They're talking about how they fit. Um, it was it was like, John was like, hey, you did that because you were brave enough to go up there. Look at all these people who are talking about their guns now and talking about fit and everything. And um, that was that was nice. That was nice to hear and to think about. Um, there was a woman there who had a siren. So I got to put my hands on a siren. It was a really nice, pretty gun. Very nice. Definitely fit a lot better. I know who that was and I did not get a chance to see it. I wish it I, I, I should have nice. I should have looked at it. It was really nice. It was um the weight on it was pretty good. It was uh very comfortable. It was I now that I shot that compact, I wish I could have shot her gun and, and tried it out because I think it would have been a lot of fun to shoot that one. Sure. I'm sure um, it's, I, I, I've seen dogs. their I've seen their guns and and they're beautiful. They're gorgeous guns. They really are. They are definitely a class. They are definitely one of the higher like a, a nice higher end over under. There's no doubt about that. Really nice. So I can't remember when we were at Grouse Camp. Did your team shoot any birds? We had opportunities, but they were not able to harvest any. That's okay. Did you? Um, I think John, no, John got two shots off and there was one bird that sort of flew in front of me and that was it. I had that one chance that in the whole weekend and um, I didn't get a chance to take that shot. So it was tough conditions that weekend. There was a lot of leaves on the trees. I know a lot of people, I know quite a few people struggled to find birds up there. I was very thankful. I was very happy that we were, I was able to find the number of birds that I did. Um, I think we moved. We didn't find any woodcock, which really surprised me, but I think mm. we moved five grouse or six grouse on that first day. And we only had like four hours to go out. Like we didn't have yeah. a lot of time. And then the second day, um, we actually, we went for breakfast. We said some haze and some goodbyes right away. And then because they were out from out of state, we actually left that second day and we like, we skipped all the seminars and I took them back out and on our first walk before we ran into another hunter that had already started to push that way. So we turned around and went somewhere else. We moved seven birds in like the first 25 minutes. Wow. Like you had to see a lot. <laughs> so we, we did, we, we found birds. Um, not as many as I would have hoped for, for some of the areas, because I'm familiar with that area. I'm very familiar mm -hmm. with there. I really thought like, I don't ever put expectations on anything like, but I really thought I would be able to get them into more birds, to be honest. I don't know. That sounded like a pretty good number compared to what I, what we saw. Like, I think our first day it was three or four. Okay. I think, I think there was one grouse in there. The rest were woodcock. And then the second day we saw a couple more, but we didn't get any shots off. I can't remember how many we saw. Um, but we our guide took us out and our guide was great. Our guide was really amazing. He is something else. Um, his name was Dwayne and he was fantastic. That's all that matters. It's about the, as, as I say on like all my episodes and I finish my episode, it's all about the experience. It's not just about shooting the bird. It's watching the dog work. It's the camaraderie. It's all of that. It's that experience that really is what matters. And when the black cloud appears, knowing that the dog is still there doing stuff, I think that is what I can look forward to. <laughs> well, we're going to have to try to change that black cloud. We're going to have to shake oh. that off. 
I I really hope so. Um, I I told my like after after the third or fourth time I told John I was like I feel like a black cloud and I was like you know who you know who follows a black cloud everywhere is is or you know what follow uh, is a uh, Eeyore. I told him about Eeyore and the black cloud and he was like now he's that's all that's what he calls me is Eeyore <laughs> because I'm like that's what... <laughs> when we're out hunting that's how I feel is because every time it's like oh i know there's gonna be birds i mean the pheasant the pheasant forever hunt they um they had bought birds specifically from the farm for this event and they had them there that morning in their little boxes and he released them a few hours in that area so they had signs out marking that this was a specific hunt for us through pheasants forever and bha so to to be aware that people are coming in here and we're hunting these birds and they released these birds a few hours before and i guess what he did is he just opened the box and he let them out um and we're going there thinking oh you know this is going to be so much fun because there's going to be all these birds here in these fields and there were not <laughs> any birds <laughs> they had all flown away and uh that was yeah, like I really thought this was going to break the streak. I'm going to see a bird. I'm going to be able to shoot this bird. This is going to happen because you can't get any better than somebody placing birds out there for you. To go. Right, right. <laughs> no, Eeyore struck again. So. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's him. John gets birds all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not with you, though. No, he. We have a. Yeah, have you gone out on your own right yet? now? Have you ever gone no, out I on haven't. your own? So I have you not, don't know no. for sure it's you. Maybe it's a combination <laughs> of you two. It's a combination. So I should just go without and be like, nope, you can't come today. I got to go yeah. by myself because I got to shoot something. Exactly. Be like, you know what? You're bringing this whole team down when we're together. We don't shoot birds, so I'm going to go by myself. <laughs> I am. I am so tickled the first time. Like, I just am so excited for the first time I get anything um, that I'm just that excited to be able to call it mine, be able to like butcher it myself and take care of everything and be like, this is my bird. I caught this one. Like, this was mine. My first one, not caught, shot my first one. I'm just really excited to process that. And I've been much more adventurous with food, food lately, you know, trying different meats and things like that. Um, so I'm, I really liked the woodcock and I like the grouse and pheasant's delicious. I mean, they're farmed, so they're really delicious. Um, pheasant, pheasant, pheasant and grouse are two of, two of my favorite eating birds. No doubt. Really good. I, I think they're fantastic to eat. Um, there's just so much good flavor to them. It's better than chicken. Definitely better than chicken. Um, and we got to take some pheasant home. So I've got some in the fridge that we're going to cook up. I think tonight or tomorrow we're going to have some nice. of that. Um really oh, simple nice. john's got a smoker so we just smoke it with some like salt pepper garlic and it's perfect very nice the last pheasant i made i actually did uh, pheasant and wild rice soup and it was amazing oh that sounds really good too yeah, well brad yeah. if you get us on some woodcock next weekend we'll have to cook it up and i'm, I'm hoping so <laughs> i'm hoping so but woodcocks like i'll eat woodcock but i would not say it's my favorite bird in the world but it's a completely yeah. different type of bird um, it's, well, it's really tiny, isn't it? Like it's well, not, big. Not only that, it's red meat. It's not white meat. Yes. It's red meat because yeah. they've got. It's a different type of muscle, from what I've read, because there's those birds migrate, so they're like duck. It's a red meat. Mm. Whereas, like your, it's a difference between how is it described to me, like short burst flight and long term, like in long flight patterns. So 
that is that, so and that's why like pheasants have dark meat on their legs because they're normally walking yeah like that's and the they've difference. got really they've got lots of tendons i think too in their correct. legs too correct but that's why like you have the dark meat there and like the because they don't fly they fly when they have to that's not their preferred method of of doing something whereas like ducks and geese and woodcock migrate and i guess from what i read it was like it's a completely different type of muscle huh. and that's why it's got the different coloring Gotcha. And John, like at the rough grouse camp, John Motovilov, he cooked those, what that woodcock up. I think he cooked up two. And all he did was he threw butter in a pan. I think he did salt and pepper on him and he just took the whole bird and he just cooked it like three minutes on each side. So it was still rare in the middle when he served it. Um, which I think is kind of interesting because normally you wouldn't do that with poultry. Like poultry is usually a cook all the way through, but with the woodcock, he, Woodcock's he did like that. Duck. Woodcock's like duck and I, that's medium rare, like a steak. Cause it's yeah. red meat. Because the difference is like the way I look at that is like, that's a red meat. It is a red meat. So whereas like pheasant and grouse and all that, I cook like with chicken in mind, but with woodcock and ducks and geese, cause it's red meat, you can cook it mm -hmm. to medium rare. Gotcha. I've never had medium rare goose before. We've smoked that one before, but that's interesting. I'll have to think about that for the future. I wouldn't eat medium rare goose personally. Like, oh, there's okay. way better ways to prepare geese. Like, okay. like there's like, I would rather smoke goose or I make like barbecue out of them. I like snack sticks or jerky out of them. We, They're a tough, just, slightly gamier tasting bird. Like ducks are, ducks eat very well. Um, but I, goose is a little different. Up to John to, to do. He, he, he excels at that with the smoker. So I'm like, you just, you do you, you make it delicious. Everyone to do it. And uh, the first goose, the first geese he did, I think it was one or two years ago. He, um, he did it as like jerky, but it was in this like really amazing barbecue sauce that he smoked them. And then he cooked them again. Like he did this whole process on them and, oh man, it was delicious. It was so good. It's always good when you, it's always it's always it's just a little like one extra piece right when you can cook it in a way that makes it taste even better well yeah because if you if you get it if you if you're that person that has tried wild game before and it was cooked poorly or mediocre the first time you have it you're usually turned off from it to try it ever again right um people are like nope i don't want to try that again but if you have it done well, or, you know, like if you threw venison in the chili, you're never going to notice it's venison anyways. So, but that's a fair way of cooking it and, and trying it out for the first time. Or if somebody does it a really good way and seasons, seasons it upright or something like that, then it's really good. Or sausage. It's delicious. <laughs> Agreed. hundred percent. Oh, I've yeah. really enjoyed you coming on the show. I'll give these next couple minutes to thank anybody you might want to thank. You, if you've got social media that you're doing, you can let anybody know how to follow you on social media. Um, not really. Like I do a little TikTok, but that's part of my. I I breed dogs, so um, okay, it's part of my dog breeding business. So I, I won't plug that. <laughs> you're more but, than welcome um, to if you want to, but you don't have to, so it's fine. Well, I it's up to you. I. I breed golden doodles who, okay. if anybody is interested, they are not a hunting line. They're more of a, com like a, a companion pet line. Um, I'm part of the breed club Ghana. I do a lot of health testing. My dog is a phenomenal dog and I'm just starting out. So um, still doing a lot of stuff with her, but she's got 
really great energy. She's got a stellar personality and I'm so excited to have more puppies from her. Um, and yeah, just getting in, involved in that and uh, doing the dog breeding right. So very good. It's always here to, it's great to hear responsible breeding. Yes, she's she's a phenomenal dog, and um, I work very closely with a lot of mentors and do. Um, I actually just competed with her this fall in barn hunt, and uh, she titled in her first weekend doing that. So she's really she's got a she's really smart. She's a awesome. really capable dog, and together we make a really great team. So, um, and I've had really good feedback from all of her puppies from her first litter. Um, families are super happy. Uh, no gun shyness, no, like everyone, I saw pictures of being like, oh yeah, we sat on the porch and watched fireworks with the dog. So they were nice. all really stellar. I was so thrilled with that. Um, so did a lot of exposure programming with them when they were in my care and, uh, yeah, I have a really great program. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks and again. That for... is Mandy's doodles, Mandy's doodles.com Mandy with an I. Alrighty. And I will add the link to the show description for everyone. That way there, you can easily find it if you want to check it out. And other than that, thank you, John, for being such an amazing hunter and for being a great mentor. Uh, Brad, can't wait to go with you next weekend to go hunt Woodcock. And um, yeah, thanks to all the conservation organizations that do so much for us. I, if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for the DNR and BHA and Pheasants Forever and Rough Grouse Society, I would not have been able to have the gumption to do these things and do these activities and try them out. It's awesome to hear that these programs are also working as well, because that's a big thing, right? And it's not just so much introducing someone for the first time, it's also the retention part. Yep. And meeting all of those people that are also involved, I'm in a lot of them are overlap in different in the same in different programs too. Um so I'll get to see him again or I'll be like, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, because I saw him there doing that. So I'm really excited to get more involved with them. That's awesome. That is great. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great to hear from a very new hunter's perspective, to hear how the programs are working, to hear some of like the struggles you've faced and everything else. It, it, it's really great to hear that. And it's great to hear the excitement from a new hunter like of what they, of everything you're looking forward to. Absolutely. I'm still plugging away. I'm still really engaged and still really interested to keep going. And I can't wait to get back out there again. I'm so excited. And I didn't realize I was going to be this excited to wake up that early in the morning to go do this, but I'm really excited. <laughs> That's a struggle. That can be a struggle. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. That's the nice thing about grouse and woodcock is I just don't get up early. <laughs> Oh, that's really good to know. That's why they are most appealing to me is because I don't have to get up early for them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If it's cool out, you can just run the dog all day long. They don't, they don't have timetables. <laughs> Getting out too early, then they're still up in the trees. Like that doesn't make sense. Yep. I'll, well, fair chase, just as long as I can <laughs> shoot them where they're like, I'll wait for them to come down then. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks again for coming on, Amanda. Thank you, Brad. I've enjoyed this. To all my listeners, thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, keep chasing the experience. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. 
Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.